There's somebody listening right now who had no idea they were going to be on the radio today. But this topic, this question for a personal story about the impact someone has had on you is going to tip the scale. You're going to reach the phone for it, and you're going to call us and talk about the power of presence. I want you to think of a time when someone came to your home or sat with you in jail or at the hospital waiting room or in the break room at work or on the front steps of the church where you felt like you couldn't enter because your life was just too messy. They gave you their presence. They looked you in the eyes. Maybe they put a hand on your shoulder. Maybe they said something you'll never forget. Maybe they didn't say anything. When did someone give you the gift of their presence? That's what I want to talk about today. And we're going to do that straight ahead on Chris Fabry Live, the program from the heart to the heart for the heart. And we thank our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T's in the chair. Laura and Pappy are helping out on the phones today. And since it's Friday, that's right, it's time for the fabulous Fabry Friday sigh. Here's what it does. One, we oxygenate your blood. Two, we get your endorphins going. Three, we raise your serotonin level. Four, we promote lymphatic drainage. And five, we stimulate your parasympathetic system. That's why we call it the five lung languages. We also stimulate your vagus nerve. We help you release acetylcholine. And don't forget what it does to cortisol dissipation. Take in four seconds of air through your nose right now. Hold it four seconds. And then as you release that air through your mouth, push on the left side of your rib cage to get rid of all that bad carbon dioxide. Today we give a final Friday sigh for October. Let's make it a good one. Let's sigh for the leaves of October. Those stubborn growths on the limbs of life that have to fall in order to make room for the new life ahead. And let's sigh for the people who provide their presence in a powerful way that sticks with us, that says simply because they made the effort, your life matters. You matter to me. I see you. I care about you. I know you. I love you. Has that ever happened to you? We're going to get in the Wayback Machine of the Heart today and take a trip together. The fabulous Fabry Friday size brought to you by this station, Moody Radio, and anybody whose living room or office or kitchen or bedroom has too much clutter. Void were prohibited. Uh, This is my final Friday to encourage you to support us and receive a thank you that will pay dividends in your life. If you need to clobber clutter, but clutter is clobbering you, reach out. Don't put it off any longer, friend, because Dana White wants to come alongside you. We can't send you to your house. We can't send her to your house. But if we could, she'd put a hand on your shoulder and she would say, you can do this. You really can. You can clobber this clutter. I just saw this today. Why is it taking me so long? Page 17, procrasticlutter. Dana made up that word. Procrasticlutter is the stuff that doesn't seem like legitimate clutter such as piles of clean folded laundry on the recliner, clean dishes sitting in the dish drainer, or a stack of papers waiting to be filed but are still on top of the cabinet. (laughs) Dana was with us a few weeks ago. I told Ryan this before we started, and Gabby too. Uh, I took a picture of my desk. I sent it to her, and she said, Chris, that that stack right there, you got to do something with that. I said, what stack? I didn't even see it. It's procrasticlutter. See, these four by six cards. She said, get you a box. I still, I've been to four different places. I can't find a box. It's procrasticlutter. Dana has discovered a hundred strategies to clobber clutter of all kinds. Time is running out, friend. The sand in the hourglass is diminishing. Call 866-95-FABRY and we will send you organizing for the rest of us. 
866-953-2279 or go to the website chrisfabrylive.org. After today, we have four days left. Don't let this one go. We need 40 more, I think it was 41 more people to admit they need help with clutter. Will you be one of them for us to get to our goal by the end of the month? And let me say, it's been really, really encouraging for us. We have heard from, uh, in this month, 27 people who've never reached out. 27 people in 27 days. That's pretty good. Thank you. It's encouraging to hear from you. Again, go to chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down. You will see how to become a BackFence friend or a partner right there. Four days left to clobber clutter. Get on board with us. <laughs> go to chrisfabrylive.org. All right. Uh, Wednesday, Drew Dick was with us, and we were talking about uh, Just Show Up. And we're going to link his book. We got a green button. We got a green button for everything. Got a green button for Drew's book, Just Show Up. Uh, but today it's just you and me. We had so many calls on Wednesday, and I thought, let's just let's let's do the same kind of thing, but talk about the power of person's presence. So this is one of those topics that will help us get to know each other a little bit better. It exhibits what I call the secret sauce of Moody Radio, our most treasured resource of wisdom and experience, and that is you and God's Spirit working in and through you. When has the power of someone's presence stuck with you? And maybe this conversation will jog your memory. I think from the feedback on Wednesday and our Facebook answers so far, there is a correlation. There is a sense of isolation. There's a sense of loneliness, uh, going through a valley, a tough time, having fears, having doubts. And here's the other thing I just put together. The gift of presence incorporates all the love languages. Uh, And I could tell you stories about this. I'd rather just read what the people on Facebook have said. Pamela said, I had a panic attack in a crowded theater. I told a friend I needed to leave and would she watch for my son. I sat out in the lobby crying because I couldn't control the feelings. Another lady I didn't really know well, but was part of our group, came out and sat with me and held my hand. After I calmed down, she prayed with me and walked me back in. I have never forgotten that kindness. That is the power of presence. Mary Ann was sitting near when I was verbally assaulted for not standing up for my rights as a member of a leadership group. When silence returned, Mary Ann gently, wordlessly touched my right shoulder. I received Peace I leave with you, my peace I give. Just that touch was the presence that he needed. Has that ever happened to you? Um, I like what Jamie says. When my sister was in the hospital for brain surgery, a nurse saw me walking down the hall. She gave me a huge hug and pointed to heaven. He's got this, she said. My sister came through that trial but I've never forgotten that moment, an angel sent to encourage me when I needed it most. Now here's, this may be, (laughs) this may be the best. This may be the one that I cannot anticipate getting, that I love. Marsha, thank you. 
a very unusual, unusual, horrible morning. I'll call it unusualable. I left for work crying. I decided I deserved a breakfast burrito. <laughs> and let me say, if you're listening today and you're, you're wondering whether you do, friend, you do. You deserve one. <laughs> Pull in the drive-thru. I decided I deserved a breakfast burrito on the way to work, so I dried my tears. But the lady in the drive-thru took one look at me and asked if I was all right. Of course, I immediately began crying again. She said, can I pray with you? I said I would appreciate it very much. So she leaned out the window and took my hand and prayed. We were previously strangers. She potentially risked her job offering to pray with me since she didn't know me. I brought her flowers later that day. The manager said, <laughs> Oh, you were the lady that was crying in the drive through this morning. There's Marsha's story of the power of presence. I haven't even given the phone number, and we've already got a number of people on the line. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you. What is the power of presence? What do you remember? What are those stories jogging you? 877 548 3675. I want to hear from you today. You you didn't wake up planning to be on the radio, but I'm going to get you. 877-548-3675. More straight ahead. The power of somebody's presence. When has that touched your life and your heart? 877-548-3675. And remember, your story may be used for somebody else in their life to, to wake them up to the power of this. For them to be present with somebody else or maybe the idea that they need someone else's presence in their own life. Diane's got a story in Ohio. Diane, go right ahead. Oh, hi, Chris. Well, this is seared in my memory. I had to put down our family dog. It was the first dog we ever had. So, you know, the kids were raised with it, a beautiful wire hair fox terrier. And um, I had to put her down. And I called my girlfriend. She was a dog lover. And I just, you know, sobbed and talked. And she said, well, let me go with you. I said, absolutely not. I'm fine. I'll be fine. So I went to the vet. And I wasn't fine. And literally seconds before they put that IV in to put her down, my girlfriend came flying through the door. I mean, bang, you know. And uh, I saw her, and I was so thankful. I don't think I could have gotten through it without her there. She just put her arms around me, and then she spent the day with me. And it's you know, brings tears to my eyes to this day because it was just so sweet, and it, it was just so supportive. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> and she thought of you know, and it probably it probably cost her. You know, she had to do what move whatever it is around her day, and she had to get down there and do all that. But you, that's how long ago was that? Um, that would have been twenty twenty years ago, maybe maybe years. a little more. We're still friends, obviously. <laughs> this is the power. Mm -hmm. This is the power of presence. You never forget it. Never do. Never. What is what was your dog's name, by the way? Liddy. 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 L-Y-D-Y, yep. And what is your friend's name? Margie. Margie. Liddy and Margie. Yeah. What a great story to start off. 877-548-3675. 
And I, that, I want to start with that story because uh, I had a friend, uh, Jim, who, uh, it was probably the darkest, one of the darkest days of my life. And it was the same thing, only it was two, two of our pets. And he found out that I did that by myself. And he, he looked me in the eye and he said, Chris, why don't you call me? I said, I don't know, Jim. I just, I just had to say, nobody ought to do that by themselves. I've never forgotten that. So in a sense, he was, he was almost there. You know, he wanted to be there. I wonder if, and I wonder if that, if there's somebody listening who says, yeah, no, no, I can do this myself. And, and, and it's not about a pet. It's, but about something else. You know, it's about going, going someplace and, and there's some fear and there's some, nah, I'll just do it myself. I think a lot of guys feel this way, but maybe it's both men and women. To be able to be humble enough to say, I could, I could use somebody to walk through this with me. Um, Dr. Miner is on the, to- on, the, uh, on the line in Michigan. Hello, doctor. How are you? Hi, Chris. Very good, thank you. Glad you I called. I have a story of uh, I have a story about the presence that's uh, very special to me and very healing that I wanted to share. Uh, when I was three years old age, my father died of bulbar polio in 1947, and I was not invited to the funeral. I had no idea what, what had happened, well, except that he went away to live with God in heaven, and I was got angry with him because I thought, well, why didn't he come back and live with us? You know, maybe he will, but no, he didn't. And for 30 years, Chris, I was a, a sad sack. It was part of my ticket to be in the psych doc, which I learned to be Christian psychiatrist later on. But 30 years later, my stepdad died. Now, he was a brutal Marine from World War II. He, I was never close to him. I couldn't be. He was somewhat abusive a little bit. And, but nonetheless, uh, Chaplain Ralph on our team at Pine Rest Christian Hospital, on our team, was close to me, a good friend. And Chaplain Ralph realized, he said, where, where before? You're, you're not close to your stepdad. And then he said, gee, maybe you're sad about your little daddy that died so many years ago. And you know what he did? He took me in the privacy of my own office, and he took my hand and prayed with me, and he knelt down in front of me, very humble man, Chaplain Ralph, knelt down in front of me, and he hugged me, and I cried like a three-year-old in his arms. I wept, because that was part of me that was still weeping for 30 years inside. And I did that two or three times in his in his arms, two or three different times. It was such a healing experience. I just can hardly tell you how much that meant to me. It was a healing experience for the rest of my life. Isn't that, you know? And it's and it was a risk in a way for Chaplain Ralph to do that because he didn't know how you were going to respond, or maybe he did. Maybe he knew it, this is exactly what you needed, but God knew you needed yeah. that, right? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, it was tremendous. I'll never Just, forget him, Chaplain Ralph Ludwig. He's still living. He's over east side of Grand Rapids. I got to go see him sometime. I think I can connect with him again. Well, who knows? Maybe he needs your presence now. You know, maybe just that jog of the memory and the conversation today. Robert, thank you. God bless you, friend. Uh, the power of presence. Mark is back. Hey, Mark, how you doing today? 
I am just fine. And the man I'm going to tell you about actually made it into Frederick Beekner's writings. You probably know who Frederick yeah. Beekner is. Oh, he absolutely. Described by yeah. Frederick, he was described by Frederick Beekner as unprepossessing. You see, Frederick Beekner visited our parish a couple of times, St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Glen Ellen, and he met Bob McFarlane. And Bob McFarlane was the man that I finally chose in my mid-20s to be my pastor. It was a choice between him and another man. The other man was younger, and he was analytical and practical. But Bob McFarlane was profound and practical, and he had an ability to express profound truths in simple language. And I sensed that I needed that influence, because back in my mid-20s, I was tending to use $50 words without knowing that they were $50 words. And I was going over people's heads without knowing it. And Bob taught me to be simpler in my language and more down to earth as a person in general. And he gave me a bonus that I never thought I would get. He actually re-fathered me because my father was abusive and narcissistic. And Bob showed me that a father figure could actually be gentle and considerate and still influence you. And he he one day paid me the compliment of saying, well, I'm glad, I'm thankful for you because you want to be influenced by me. I don't mm. know how many people want to be influenced by me, but you do. And I treasure that. And he and I had lunch together once a month for some 15 years, and I still regard his influence uh, as one of the profoundest in my life now that he's almost 91. Wow. I mean, this was 40 years ago that I chose him to be my pastor, and I don't know how well he is. He had COVID recently, and I haven't heard from him for a while, but he uh, he was the, he was unprepossessing, as Frederick Buechner said. You he didn't strike you as very impressive when you first met him, but as I spent time with him, I found that he had treasures and depths of treasures and never ran out of them. Hmm. Mark, that is, and that whole, you know, I can I can close my eyes and think of that scene of the two of you in some diner or <laughs> restaurant yeah. somewhere eating together, and and just the presence of another person at the table. It makes me think of how often it was that, and what happened around the campfire, what happened around the food of the, what Jesus shared with his disciples. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to preach a sermon here, you got to listen. It was the day by day by day. Thank you for sharing that, because it, it looks different for everybody. Inga says, about six months after my mother died, I thought I had grieved. I was at the laundromat, and the dryer stopped, but my clothes weren't dry. I just stood out in front of the open dryer and bawled. I could not figure out what to do. An older Spanish woman came and didn't say a word, but folded my wet clothes and put them in my basket. I drove them to my best friend's house and sat on her couch, bawling without explanation. When I finally told her what had happened without a word, she went to the car, brought in my basket, and put my clothes on her dry, in her dryer I just sat there and cried uncontrollably with no words until they were dry. 
We didn't talk until they were folded, and I had cried it out. I thought I'd lost my mind. She told me it was just grieving. Let it happen. The power the power of a good dryer, the power of presence. Kent is in Urbana, Illinois. Hi, Kent. Why did you call today? Hi, Chris. Um, when I was in, excuse me, when I was in the Navy in 1984, I got shipped to Jacksonville, Florida, and a person invited me to a Bible study at his house, and I said, okay. And I was struggling at the time, and his name was Gordon Gustafson. And to make a long story short, he was friends with Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. And um, when he was a missionary in Panama, and then he was one of the original navigators with Dawson Troutman. Wow. And he, he discipled me, and this took me into his house. He had me memorize Romans 6 and Romans 8, and he just was such a presence. And when I did wrong, he, he, didn't, he didn't pull no punches. He uh, gave it to me. And, uh, and he basically changed my life. Wow. And that, just the invitation to come over to his house, that was what started it all. But again, here's just like Mark had said, you were open to it. You were, you, you, you needed and you wanted correction. And so that made, it didn't, it didn't uh, harm you when somebody said, Hey, there's a rough edge here. We need to knock that, (laughs) knock that off. Right. Right. And um, he was a Pearl Harbor survivor. He told me on December 7th, 1941, they bombed Pearl Harbor. He was on the USS Tennessee and Arizona was right behind him. And he heard it blow up. Wow. And he would say, he said, you never know, Kent. You never know what might happen. Yeah. I am glad that you had Gordon in your life, Kent and that he gave you the power of presence. That's what we're talking about. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the power of presence of somebody else in your life. What were you doing? What happened? Alita is on the line. Alita, go right ahead. Tell me your story. Hi, Chris. Um, I was going through a rough time. Um, I had been... um, I was going through like an abusive relationship and when um I was driving home one day with um from Bible study actually with um um her name is Bobby and now I would like to say that I can gladly call her my spiritual mama. Um and I had never really had a conversation with her um and we were just driving home one day and she was um we were talking and then I don't know. I think um, I think it was just like the spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of her that allowed me to open up to her and to share my story with her. Um, and um, she was just there for me, like her presence. You know, it was just, she was just there for me in the right time. And I felt at the time, you know, that I was like suffering in silence. And um, after being able to like open up 
to her and her just being there for me and listening to me, like that just, to be honest, you know, allowed me to begin healing from that. So she saw, it wasn't as much what she said. I mean, I'm sure she said some things uh, that helped out, but just the presence, her presence and being able to see you, that was the biggest thing for you, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. And then, you know, when she did, you know, share with me, you know, it was just, you know, although um, she also went through something similar, which I guess maybe that's, you know, how I was able to open up to her and why God allowed that to happen. Uh, You know, it was just, it was a very, I, when you, and when I heard your your um, your um, show was going to be talking about that today, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I have to call in." I've never and done you this did. before, so I'm extremely nervous. <laughs> you did, Alita. No, I'm so glad that you did. You're the person I was talking about at the beginning of the program. But it, I, as you were talking, I was thinking, I wonder if all of these people that I'm writing down, I've written Bobby and Gordon and Bob and Chaplain Ralph and and Margie about the the dog. I wonder how many of these people on the right side have some kind of a wound in their life that they were able to minister to Alita and to Kent, to Mark and Robert and uh, and our caller with the dog. I can't remember. I didn't write her name down. I wrote the dog's name down. Liddy. <laughs> you know who you are. More of those calls straight ahead on Moody Radio. talking about the power of presence today. How many times have you heard the story of a young woman who finds out she's pregnant? She feels all alone. She feels pressured to fix the problem, meaning end the present pregnancy, meaning go get an abortion. But somebody comes alongside her and listens well and maybe puts a hand on the shoulder and says, look, you're not alone and there's there's a better choice here and we're going to help you. I'm going to help you. CareNet and their pregnancy resource centers around the country do that every day. And one way that they are a powerful presence is through the National Pregnancy Decision Line. Pregnancy decision coaches are ready right now to give immediate life-affirming counsel and pregnancy center referrals to women and men who are considering abortion. They call their approach pro-abundant life because they... Of course, they want to see the baby live and grow and thrive. They also want life for the pregnant mom and for the father of that child. If you think there's no good news out there on the pro-life front, get some encouragement today. Go to the website and click the CareNet button, chrisfabrylive.org. Click that green CareNet button. You can see the number for the decision line. There's a pledge against the National Abortion Hotline. They have articles. They have blogs. There's a new care cast that addresses the abortion pill issue. A lot of information and a lot of really good stories. Heartwarming, pro-abundant life stories. Click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org. So the power of presence, what does it look like in your life? Marsha in Florida. You're up next. Go right ahead. Yes. Hello. 
Yep, you're on. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing great. Um, they told me to stay on hold. They'd ask me several questions. Yeah, well, you're just with me now, so you you go ahead and tell me your story. I'm I'm chomping at the bit to hear you. Oh, you're chomping at the bit. Okay, so put put Marsh on hold, Gabby. You tell her the ne- the next time she got, <laughs> next time she talks with me, because it can be confusing, folks. You know, it can be confusing when you get on the radio and you don't know you're on the radio. So while we wait for Marsha, Candy is in the great state of Washington. Hi, Candy. Go right ahead. Hello, dear one. <laughs> well, hello there, friend. Can you hear me? I sure can. Well, maybe it's maybe it's not. Um, maybe there's something going on with the phones, Ryan. Are you sure that I can hear you sure now? That, yeah. Okay. All right, Candy, launch in. Tell me your story. Okay. Um, I had cancer for the second time. My family wasn't showing up. Uh, my church family, not either. But that wasn't their fault because I was very independent and said I can do this all by myself and go through this again. But my sister-in-law knew much better. She had two jobs at the time. Well, she still does. And she was getting ready for her daughter's wedding. She flies out from Minneapolis to be with me that first week. She's working from home with one job, and that was in 2017, so people weren't doing that. And she forgo her pay from her second job just to be there with me that first week and to kind of help me through because this time it was much more serious than the first time I had cancer. But she just came, and she put a party together because uh, the the treatment I had was so uh, strong that I lost all my hair the first uh, first thing of chemo. Put a party together, got my head shaved, we had a party, and just made it a happy occasion that we were all going to be on this journey together. And uh, I'll never forget that sacrifice of money and time and and love that she provided me that is you said two things there number one she just came i love that and then the journey together when you have a diagnosis like that it can isolate you it can make you feel all alone and you don't want to be a burden to anybody else and it sounds like your sister-in-law said you're 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 we're here with you we're part of the team right yes yeah. and she was the only one that recognized that i am so independent that i wouldn't ask for help and she knew better <laughs> better than i and i just appreciate her insight uh to that and just her very presence being there and when i came home from that first treatment uh, which was very difficult, just the, her touch, you know, and sense of humor and made the whole process um, okay. And I have to say, I'm such a blessed woman to have her in my life. And the biggest thing she taught me, I think, too, besides her grace and love towards me, was it's okay to ask for help. And so now I'm going through possibly the third time with cancer, and I'm mm. just told I had to move and I have less than a few weeks to move. And um, 
I've learned that I can reach out to others, and my church family wants to help me. So um, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, she said, you know, you're taking away the blessings of other people who yes. want to help you. So anyway. It's more than okay. Program. Candy, thank you. It's more than okay to ask for help. And it's, and I've had to learn, you know, I, I like the self-sufficient thing and it was like, you know, the bootstraps and all that. But to be able to, to, to take away from somebody else the ability to do something for you uh, and that's not what you're doing. You're trying to keep them from having to do stuff and, and the pain of all that. But that's you kind of rob other people from allow uh, letting them help you by doing that. So that's a great story. And I, and so that you know, I thought of the different people that might listen to the program today and would be helped by it. Here's another issue: if you are going through a tough time. And you think, and I have to do this alone. I got to do it myself. And I'm not going to bother anybody else. Is there someone who is a good enough friend whose presence would mean the world to you, make a difference to you, even if it inconveniences them to be able to reach out and to say, "Hey, I'm hurt. <laughs> I need, I need, I need a, the presence of somebody I trust and that who cares about me." And you came to mind. Not to put pressure on them, obviously, but to be able to say that, to be able to be humble enough to say, I need help here. And that happens. Candy, thank you. Uh, she just mentioned so she can, maybe another cancer diagnosis, and she's moving at the same time. Stressors. You think of all the stress that you have in your life when you have to move, and then all the stress in your life when you get a diagnosis. I mean, th- think of what she's going through right now. You you need some folks around you, and I'm so glad that that church family is around that can help. The other stressor, then, is in Jim's life. Jim in Indiana, go right ahead. Hi. Yes, um, this is something I normally have never done before, So, but I felt very strongly to go ahead and call. But my wife um, passed on about a month ago from ovarian cancer, but I had a couple stories that I wanted to share. Um, when when she was when she was still alive, uh, we were going towards doing more organic or healthy foods, and so one of the places I ended up going to was Trader Joe's to try to get uh, organic stir fry. But I had to piecemeal it together, and I was just a mess. I was just like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not very good at this. So I went and talked to a couple of the employees there to tell them, can you guys help me to put this together? And so they recruited about five of them to go out and assimilate all the different foods and things that would go with the stir fry. And then pretty soon one of them came up and gave me a bouquet of flowers to give to her. And at the time I really felt that God was saying, these people are part of, they're, they're part of God's answer, his answer of prayer to, to us. They're, they're God's feet and his, his workmanship, and I told him that. But then when I got up to the register, I think it was about $60 worth of groceries or something like that, and they looked at me and said, we got it, and they covered it. <laughs> and so that's one of the stories, and I came home and shared that with my wife, and we both just bawled like babies over yeah. the grace and the goodness of God. The other story was when she passed on, the night before she passed on, <clears throat> she was in a hospital bed here at home because she was on hospice. 
And she got too close to the edge of the bed and fell down on the floor and called out for me. So I came and found her feet, her legs underneath her body, and I was able to straighten them out. But I could not get her back in the bed. So I called hospice and they said, go ahead and call 911. So I called 911 and about three firefighters show up. And then two of them helped her to get back in her bed. And then that night, the next night, she passed on. And then the next day, on Monday, I got a knock on the door, and I went to go see who it was. It was one of the firefighters. And he also had a bouquet of flowers with tears in his eyes. And he shared with me that his daughter passed on from ovarian cancer at the age of 18. And, you know, this is the deal. The day before, I was talking with a pastor, and I said, you know what? I want God to use this. I want God to take this so that he could use this situation that I'm in so I can minister to somebody else. And there it was right in front of me. And so I hugged him and I prayed for him. And then later on, I found out which firehouse he was at and he went there and we talked more with some tears to invite him to the memorial service. And so I'm looking at that, that you had this company that paid for the groceries just just like that, how they came alongside of me. And then God opened up the opportunity for me to do the same for somebody else. Mm. See, there it is again, that wound, that wound, uh, and you can be bitter and you can be angry at God and, and, you know, all the other things that happen and the emotions, or you can, you can walk through that situation and allow God to do something. I can hear it in your voice, Jim, just the, um, the empathy that you have for other people who are going through that, even after, I mean, it's just been a month. You are, you are right on the edge of this huge loss in your life. Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to then pick up the phone and tell us that story, I just think that says something about you. And it says something about your wife, too. Can you tell me her name? Her name is Kim. Kim. So it says something about Kim and the love that you shared that you would think enough of her to be able to make this call. Cause I guarantee you there's somebody who's going to send me an email that said, I heard Jim's call. I just want Jim to know how, you know, that that's going to happen because of your faithfulness and for how vulnerable you've been here with us today. So thank you for doing that. Well, as I mentioned, I never do anything like this, but <laughs> it was like when you, t- when you mentioned what the topic that you're talking about, I went, well, you know, this is it. <laughs> Yes. Oh, there you go. The power of the presence, the power of the flowers from the firefighter who had been through the very same thing with his daughter, the power that Jim felt of getting that help. And then God bless the people at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and Aldi and every other grocery store that, that has that empathy for somebody else and can come alongside them. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. More straight ahead. Our remaining moments of the power of presence. Four years ago, I found myself at a church after I promised my sister during her visit that I would find a church because my marriage was on the brink. Of course, during worship, I was crying my eyes out, just listening to the words of the songs. A woman behind me put her hand on my shoulder and gave me a hug. After service, she invited me to a Tuesday night women's Bible study. I didn't want to go because I didn't feel worthy. 
how are these Christian women going to accept me, this broken, hurt woman who turned to cigarettes for comfort for the past 25 years? I went. On my way home, I flicked my last cigarette out the window, and a month later, my husband and I were baptized together. (laughs) Now, this is descriptive and not prescriptive. I don't guarantee you that this is going to happen to you. But listen, this is Shelley's story. She said, I'd been attending that, you know, the studies regularly. Our marriage is still a work in progress, but I have faith and trust in the Lord. Seven years ago, he brought us together for a purpose. I just started a women's... (laughs) This is the fun. I just started a women's fellowship group two weeks ago and have stepped out of my comfort zone and prayed for the first time in front of 17 women. We who all have different stories and have come together for fellowship and prayer. Had Yolanda never put her hand on my shoulder, I don't know what would have happened. Had my sister, Lisa, never taken the time to come visit and tell me to find a church, who knows what would have happened. I thank God for those women. And the Lord who rescued me from that pit. I'm a changed woman. And let me say this. If there is something holding you back that you say, I can't go there. I don't feel worthy. That is not the voice of your heavenly father speaking to you. That is the voice of somebody who wants to keep you from abundant life. If you, if you think, because I got this over here, I don't care what it is. I got this struggle. I got this. You'll listen to Lena's program yesterday. I got this struggle in my life. I got this thing. And when I clean that up, then I'll go, don't do it. You'll never go. Because you can't do that on your own. I mean, you can. You can, you can do it in your own power, but it's, something else is going to slip in there. If you're staying away because you're not worthy, You've got half of the equation. You're not worthy because you're a sinner. But guess what? God loves sinners. That's why he sent his son for you and me. So that we could have a righteousness that we could never earn on our own. He did it. He paid it. And it's yours for the asking. Yours if you surrender. Trust in the one that he sent. Accept his forgiveness. And it'll change it, just like Shelley talked about. Let me get Melanie in here before we uh, have to end here. Melanie, go ahead. Tell me your story. Hi, Chris. Thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, My story is about my mother. Uh, She died 13 years ago from emphysema. She wasn't only a great mother. She was my best friend. And the last two weeks of her life, she spent in the hospice center. And the night before she passed, um, she was starting to slip away. She had been alert that morning. By the afternoon, things happened rapidly. And they basically said to me, we're looking at several hours to several days. And I was a single woman. I have no children. Uh, My family was nearly 800 miles away. I called my best friend to give her the news. And um, before I could say much of anything, she says, okay, stop. I will be right there. And within a half hour, here she come with her little duffel bag. She was all set with books and puzzles and 
she says, I'm here for the duration. And that just blew me away because I never felt so alone and so frightened to be so alone and to be losing my best friend. Well, thanks to God that through his grace, he did take her at three o'clock that morning that she didn't have to suffer. And after we all got everything taken care of, started to leave, we had had a horrible snowstorm in the meantime overnight. And my friend was like, I'm coming home with you. I'm going to follow you home. I'm like, no, this weather is too bad. I only live right down the road, which I did very close to the hospice center. I said, you need to go home and be safe. She said, no, I'm coming home and I'm staying the night with you. And it took us a good half hour to pick the ice off the, the cars. It was just horrible. <laughs> but she was there for me. I, I didn't expect that. I am so blessed to have a friend like that. She is still my friend. She's a wonderful woman. And that's just the biggest blessing I've ever had in my life. You know, Marilyn, that that describes exactly what I was talking about just a minute ago, because your friend, at some cost to herself, you know, with time and and effort and thinking about you, she said, I'm here for the duration. (laughs) And I love that. I love the way that that kind of epitomizes what God did for us, that when Jesus came, he didn't just come to, to be a blip on the radar screen and go away. He came for the duration. And he, when he went away, he said, I'm going to leave a helper. I'm going to leave a comforter for you. It's going to lead you to truth, the Holy Spirit. So when he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he meant it. And I hope if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, you'll consider that because of the great cost that Jesus paid, you don't receive it, you know, you don't come to him because you feel guilty. You come to him because you are guilty and you want to be clean. And he's the only one who can do it because he's the only one who ever walked this earth and never sinned was the perfect sacrifice for you and me. If you go to the website, the top and the bottom, you can see Knowing Christ, How to Know Christ. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks for your stories, friends. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.